suspected that the Howe brothers had sinned in the eyes of the king by being less than enthusiastic supporters of the war against the colonies. Prime Minister Lord Richard North and his companions were smiling and gloating. To Fitzroy it was unseemly. A man was about to die. Even a criminal or a traitor was entitled to die with a modicum of dignity. North had not been a strong supporter of the war, but he had supported his king, and now the moment of triumph was at hand. After today, North had made it known that the chaotic and violent situation in France would become his primary focus. Even Lord George Germain, the Viscount Sackville, had risen from his sickbed to see this day of harsh justice. It was widely understood that Germain wouldn't have too many more days on this earth. His replacement in control of North America, Lord Stormont, stood by impassively. The Tower of London had always been one of Fitzroy's favorite places, but not this day. It was both a medieval fortress and a complex group of buildings covering a fairly large area of ground. The actual tower, a surprisingly elegant white stone keep, had originally been built by William the Conqueror to control the Saxons. It was alleged by historians that the overall site also held Roman fortifications. Numerous other buildings, walls, and battlements had been added to the original tower. The entire complex was both a symbol of strength and a strategic point on the Thames. All of these made it a marvelous prison for those guilty of crimes against the crown, although it was rarely used as such in these times. And will this damn circus start? snarled Edmund Burke a man who had spoken out against the war in the Americas. Was he being punished too? Fitzroy thought it likely. I believe he's saying his prayers, North commented with a cold smile. And a damned good thing, if you ask me, the bastard's going to burn in hell. Fitzroy shuddered. Men should die in bed surrounded by loved ones or in battle proving their courage. They should not be executed by their fellow men in a brutal and cold-blooded ritual. At least this death would occur in relative privacy. There would be no screaming and drunken mobs numbering in the thousands, as was normally the case for a major execution, and was beginning to occur with horrifying frequency in France, a nation that was falling apart. There was too much risk that the masses would riot if it was held at Tyburn Hill. Tyburn was normally used for the hanging of thieves, while this would be the decapitation of a traitor. Only the few dozen gathered in the rain had been invited and would witness it. Nor would any member of the royal family dignify the proceedings by their presence, although Fitzroy suspected that some younger members of the House of Hanover had sneaked onto the grounds and were looking on from windows above. He hoped they learned something from watching this murderous ritual, although he doubted it. The Hanovers, now led by the often ill George III, were as stubborn a bunch of Germans as had ever been produced. At least the current George actually spoke English, a skill never quite mastered by his predecessors, in part because they never considered themselves English. The door to the chapel opened, and red-coated guards emerged. About time, muttered Burgoyne. Fitzroy stifled a smile. Perhaps the great actor truly was feeling the weather. Burgoyne was no longer a young man, which made it even more likely. In the guard's midst stood a very tall man with a shock of short white hair that showed hints that it might once have been red. He wore nothing more than a long nightshirt that hung below his knees, 
and a pair of badly scuffed shoes. His legs were white and knobby. He looked like a lunatic from the insane asylum at Bedlam. His once powerful body was now but skin and bones. His flesh was pale, and why not? He hadn't been outdoors in a number of months. For security's sake, even his trial had taken place in the tower. Nor had he been shaved in several days, which made him look even scruffier, even more the lunatic, although they all knew that was not the case. The prisoner blinked and looked around at those assembled. He started to smile and quickly closed his mouth. He had no teeth and looked ghastly as a result. Still, he managed to look like a predator, a caged tiger. Fitzroy stifled a shudder. This was the enemy. The prisoner was led to the chopping block. A powerfully muscled, masked man leaned on a long-handled axe and stood...